welcome to our first ever video cast. And we decided to do this video cast rather than send an email after we had our meeting with the parent representatives and they highlighted some of the challenges that um, our families face um, with the continuous learning. Um, so we have a couple of questions that came from that meeting and then also just some, some points that we think we could highlight to parents to um, enable them to um, better support the children at home as well. So one of the first things, and not surprisingly, um, well, let me first introduce my panel. Not that they are any new faces to you, but I'm um, grateful for Ms. Kat, Ms. Kate, Ms. Ratna, Ms. Natalie, and Ms. Beth um, joining this conversation this morning. So uh, ladies, one of the first things that the parents do highlight, and you understandably, is the fact that now that we're a couple of weeks into continuous learning, the children seem to be losing interest because it's nothing that's novel anymore and um, nothing new. So uh, what advice would you have to families who are struggling to keep students engaged and motivated? So um, it, it, it's not a surprise that children are struggling to stay motivated at home because when they're in school, their friends naturally do that for them. They, they naturally um, learn from each other and sort of big each other up and they're constantly sharing what they've done with each other. And so at home, obviously, that fact is lost. Hopefully having the new uh, review sessions next week will help with that and give some encouragement because it will give children an, a reason to share what they have created. Um, but we know the power of positivity and the power of praise in school. So it would be really good if parents can try to remember that at home too. Um, trying to ignore negative behaviours and just being really, really positive and being quite specific with their praise. So if their child's done something really good one day linked to their learning, instead of just saying, oh, well done, they don't really know what you're saying well done for. So they're not likely to repeat that behavior. But if you're specific about your praise and say, oh gosh, I'm so happy with how you did your math learning today. You really tried to do the counting by yourself. I'm so proud of you for that. Then they're likely to repeat that behavior and try again the next day. Um, and also, the, the parents being enthusiastic themselves. So if they're enthusiastic, then the child's likely to be enthusiastic. So if the child wakes up in the morning and they're like, oh, mum, I really don't want to do phonics today. The mum can, you know, even pretend to be enthusiastic about it. You might not be, but we have to pretend sometimes. And you might pretend you're excited about the sound they're going to learn that day. So, you know, I can't wait to get on Miss Kate's Zoom and find out what your new sound is. Maybe we can go on a hunt for it around the house after um, and show that enthusiasm. And then hopefully that would rub off and encourage your children as well. Um, it is worth saying though about children's attention span. There's so much research that says that children at a young age, that they're likely to only have the attention span between five and 15 minutes. So if it's coming up to that time and your child is losing their attention in the learning that's taking place, there's no point trying to keep encourage them because it's just going to put them off. And they're not going to be engaging as well as they could be. So in those instances, it's better to perhaps go away, have a break and come back to it. And using language of now and then is really good for that. So you could say to your child, well, we're going to do this now, but then you can go and have your snack. Or we're going to do this now, and then you can have 15 minutes playing with your blocks. And it just gives them that clear expectation. And they also know, okay, if I try this now, I get something good after. 
like Miss Natalie said, uh, we are going to be starting having review sessions. So please do use the teachers. Um, and we, of course, are going to be so happy to see what they've been doing during the day. Um, we will be ready to be giving lots of praise, um, really celebrating everything that they've been putting their efforts into. Um, so do, do use us and yeah, and you can always pretend that, um, you know, that your the teacher has emailed you and asked to see something specifically. They really would like to see your writing. Um, you know, Miss Kate's asked me, so please can we make sure we get it done? Um, and I'm happy to send an email if you really don't want to lie as well. <laughs> 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 to back you up on that. And, and we're more than happy to sort of do those, you know, please do email us individually if you've got concerns or things that we can help you with. Um, and we're more than happy to write individual messages back to children um, or even send little video messages sometimes. That can help as a motivation. So do use us. We are here as a resource as well. And how about uh, switching up your learning spaces every morning? Sometimes children and even us as grown-ups, we need to work from a different environment. So maybe taking your learning outside if you've got a balcony or if you have the luxury of having a garden, maybe working from the garden that morning might really kind of encourage that child and look at learning in a different manner. Um, it might be using different rooms. Um, but different learning spaces, maybe sitting down on the floor, at the table, however you wish, but just switching that environment so it doesn't seem mundane uh, to do a learning chore at one particular spot. And, it, you know, because children in EYC are so used to moving around indoors, outdoors, learning in different spaces, I think kind of mimicking that at home in our, uh, you know, in a, in a limited manner what might really work and motivate them to do things. Yep. A change is as good as a holiday. And yeah. it's worth mentioning that this is different than primary because in primary school, the children are more likely to have their space where they learn. This is where I have my books and my um, iPad, and this is where I do my learning. But that's very different from, from EYC. And we also don't follow that rigid timetable like they do in, in primary. So our children are used to doing a little bit of learning here, then they go off and play, and then maybe come and engage with it later again. So thank you. So what I'm hearing is definitely to help students to stay motivated and engaged with the learning is that enthusiasm um, and be very animated when you do it, uh, positive praise and kind of ignoring those negative behaviors for a bit. Um, I do like the strategy of talking about now and then because it's language students can relate to. Uh, use the teachers as scapegoats and remember uh, the short attention spans um, that our young children do have. We see that with the Zooms in the morning, 15 minutes, and they are already on a different planet. Um, and then also the idea of different spaces and changing that up a bit so that uh, they can respond to their learning in different ways. Thank you. You, you all mentioned a bit uh, on writing and, and I think in nursery, the mark making. Uh, and some families did feel that that becomes uh, a challenge, especially if a child is not physically or developmentally ready um, to write or hold a pencil. Um, what advice do you have to with families that just do not know how to support that? Ms. Beth, I think you are the perfect person to lead us into this. Um, yeah, so I would say that, again, enthusiasm is so important and get involved. Um, working together and is so important. So I, especially for reception, um, we've seen some really brilliant examples of parents and children working together as a team to, to record what they want to. 
at this stage in the year, we wouldn't be expecting reception children um, to be writing reams and reams of sentences. Um, what we are looking for from our reception children is that they're taking the knowledge that they've learned in phonics and applying it to their writing. So they may well only be writing the initial sound or maybe the first sound and the last sound of a word. And if you as a parent can then write the bit that's missing in the middle, that's really positive modeling of writing for your children. And they can see how, how it will look once they've had the practice, once they've learned the sounds and are able to do it for themselves. Um, I think as well, if you can give them purposes for writing, um, it, it doesn't have to resemble writing. I know um, Miss Kate was saying that. Yeah, so with, with the younger children, obviously we're not expecting them to be forming letters at this stage. And I would say, please don't push that on your child because most children in nursery age will not be ready for it. Um, but one thing they can do is what we call emergent writing. And it looks just like a series of scribbles, but they're also voicing at the same time what, what it is they want to say. And this is something you can model as a parent. So like if you're writing a shopping list or a birthday card for someone, you might just sort of, I'll just show you on this bit of paper, like, so uh, we need some eggs, we need some flour, we need some butter, um, we need some... Uh, Milk. Thank you. Milk, and then sounds out <laughs> sounds. But actually, all you're doing is some scribble writing. And I think then, because the child sees that that's something that they can do, then they will hopefully emulate that as well. Whereas if you're writing letters and they're physically not able to do that, then they'd be like, "Oh, well, I can't do that. I'm not. I can't do writing." Whereas actually, if it's just Mark, literally mark making that is definitely something they can do um, and voice out what it is they want to write yeah I, I think we often sorry Mr. I, we often don't realize all those developmental stages and for a child at nursery age just that connection between oh you can use writing to communicate or to do I think that's a step that we wouldn't really consider if we don't really think about it and I think that's a fantastic way to model it like writing actually communicate something right and to praise every attempt. The nursery yeah. age, um, sorry, Mr. Um, <laughs> for their stage of the curriculum, it's more about giving the meaning to the mark. So it doesn't matter yeah. what it looks like. And that's the same with their drawings. It doesn't matter if they tell you that they've drawn a person and it looks nothing like a person. Don't panic. They will learn that. <laughs> but at that stage, it's more about the communication and giving that meaning to a mark. And when we're talking in nursery and we're talking about mark making, giving meaning to marks is very different and it's separate to actually learning to hold a pencil. They're two different areas of the curriculum. It's two different areas of development. So there are lots of other ways that we get children ready for writing. Um, you'll see the lots of the fine motor activities to try and strengthen fingers, um, which is why we offer other ways to um, mark making nurseries, such as using finger in messy play and what have you. Yeah. And sometimes using very interesting stationary works as well. Funky pens, nice markers, um, you know, piping bags, icing bags to mark make. All of that is encouraging. It's not a boring pencil or a pen that you hold in your hand and mark make. But just having different tools as well really encourages them to make marks and draw. Yeah. So, yeah. Even sometimes getting them to use their feet to draw, like mm -hmm. put the pencil between your toes and have a go. Um, because it's just that fun of, of making a mark. And I think yeah. um, if you can find some interesting ways to do it, they're more likely to have a go. And at the same time, they're practicing their gross motor skills by 
using their legs. Oh, I think lying down on your tummy, writing on the, the bottom of the table, all of those, yeah. teaching yeah. them bad habits. Mixing it up as well, like doing some printing. So if they're going to do a picture of, say, a house, find a big rectangle, print and paint, and then they have a go at marking things over the top. So they're getting mm -hmm. that multimedia experience as well. Finger paint to gray, those kind of things. So Disco is a brilliant one for building up hand muscles um, and it's available for free on YouTube. What is that called? Do Disco. Oh, Do Disco. Okay. Um, Ms. Beth, you also mentioned earlier the phonics and how children should be using their phonics in their writing. And that's actually a very important step towards becoming a writer. Um, so you would assume that some students will be using the right phonics to write a word, but it's the wrong spelling because there are sounds that sound the same. Should parents be concerned about that or should we just look over that and say, oh, you know, it sounds right, just look over that for a bit. <laughs> at this stage, we're, we're not worrying about spelling. It might be that they've had an attempt at a word and there are several sounds missing, um, several letters missing from the word, um, and that's absolutely fine for this stage. Um, we'd be very happy to see a word that has several letters missing that the children have clearly attempted independently rather than perfectly uh, written sentences that maybe the child's copied, which yes, yeah. they're practicing their skill of letter writing, but it doesn't really tell much about their phonic ability. Right, thank you. Okay, so what I'm hearing is get involved, that modeling with your child and to your child when you write is quite important. Um, getting the students to really use the phonics in their writing, especially in a reception, and then that purposeful writing, give the writing a purpose. Um, I think, Ms. Kate, you're one of the teachers that's very successful in this in your class. The children are labeling the stations. There's always like the postman has a post box and they need to label the post box. So they, they have got a purpose for that writing. Um, so that is quite an important aspect. And then again, that motivation, staying positive and so forth. Um, now, one of the other uh, challenges our parents face, and this is kind of a tricky one because there are some students that finish their learning tasks within the first hour of the day and then parents feel there's nothing else for them to do um, and where others really struggle to get through the learning that we set. What kind of advice um, would we have for parents in that instance? Okay. Uh, so one, don't panic. So what we put on the learning slides are guided activities. And in a, a normal school day, they would only take up sort of 20 to 30% of the day. The rest of the day is spent with the child sort of in self-initiated learning and playing with their friends, all of which is still helping to um, create those pathways in their brain and they're learning things constantly. So just because they're not doing a set task does not mean they're not learning. So I want to say, Eve, if your child just wants to play with the Duplo, they are still learning, so please don't panic about that. Um, one thing I would say is do try and limit screen time though, because that has shown to have some sort of negative effects on behavior. So, um, but obviously we do also understand you've got jobs to do. So sometimes having the screen is, is helpful. Um, one thing that can be really um, helpful is to sort of give your child a space within your home um, you, they can mark it out with pillows or towels or washing or whatever it is and say this is your classroom because in a, in a school they would have sensory play, they'd have um, mark making activities, there would be art out, the play-doh and obviously you cannot recreate all of that in your home 
and we wouldn't expect you to. But you could say to Jan, look, this area is your classroom. What would you like in it? You know, have a think. Um, you're going to have a little area where you're going to write letters to your teddies. Are you going to have um, a construction area? What could what could you find in your bedroom that you've got that you could put in this in your little mini classroom, if you like? Um, and each day they could put different things in there. And you can encourage them, you know, this comes in with the writing to make little signs in there. So if they want the block area, they might have to write out block area um, and they can bring their siblings into their little school. They can bring their teddies <laughs> in. And it's almost like their own little continuous provision um, space. And that's definitely one thing I'd suggest, um, because what we really want the children to be doing is not more learning, sort of sitting at a desk learning activities, but actually playing and purposeful play. And that's where they're going to get the most out of it. Um, something else you can do is use Pinterest. There's so many activities on there that just give you those initial ideas. So type in the learning objectives that you see on the learning slide and it will come up with a whole plethora of examples of things that you can do. Um, some of which are wacky and crazy and you probably wouldn't want them in your home, but some of them are definitely manageable. So those are just a few suggestions. Sorry, I was just going to say that was a really good idea to have an area that they can use because um, what's really powerful with children's play is that they don't tidy it up away every time so if they if they start building with blocks or building with lego every time they have to tidy it away they have to start again rather than build and develop on those ideas so if it's left somewhere and they're able to then go back the next day and think okay how can i add to this and make it even better that's going to extend their thinking so that's a good yeah. idea Yes. And after all of this is done, if they are over their classroom and over the learning, and if they still want to do something different, get them involved in your house chores. This is the perfect <laughs> opportunity to kind of build on those life skills, folding laundry, putting the dishes away, setting the table, helping you cut the salad. These just might be really small things, but it gives them that ownership and give them the joy of doing something like a grown-up so I think getting them involved and building on this life skill especially making the bets out of the current situation might work for you as well I know sometimes parents might think oh my god this is just taking a bit longer but just be patient with them and give them that time to do it and develop their life skills maybe making their bed or yeah. you know doing doing little things but giving them that responsibility might just take the attention of the learning and say, okay, get, get them busy and get them involved in other things as well. Yeah, and, and that's more than just the life skills. I think with the things you described, you talk about gross motor skills, you talk about mm -hmm. fine motor skills, because for them to be folding socks or folding the laundry in, in, requires fine motor skills. And yeah. if I just think one of my favorite parts of my day is when the nursery kids come and wash the window of the office there, <laughs> UIC, yeah. right? And that's all about the gross they motor love skills. It. So yeah, use them. <laughs> I mean, it is using a screen again, but if parents aren't on hand, because you know we know that we have parents that work and they're trying to juggle everything. And um, if you go onto uh, YouTube and you, you can set an iPad or set a computer with settings, parental settings, so that YouTube can be used safely. It doesn't take them to lots of different other videos. You can set them up with the EYC YouTube channel and there are so many great videos on there and um, we're trying to add them every week so there's just teachers reading stories there's um, fun activities to join in with so parents could um, just leave their child with going through some of those videos to engage in for themselves. Okay. So quite a few um, things on the library 
if you go onto the, the school portal mm -hmm. um, and yeah. click into the library, there are numerous um, websites, some of which have subscriptions through the school um, with lots of other activities your child can do. Absolutely. I was going to say, in, in school, the children have the choice of what they would like to do. Um, so it's a perfect opportunity if they finish the learning that we've suggested for the day um, to ask them, OK, what would you like to do now? And give them that time to pursue their interests. I know in my class, I've got some children who are really passionate about clothing and they, they're now looking into, OK, how can I make my own clothes? I've got somebody else who's really interested in butterflies. Um, so he's using his free time to go out in the garden and investigate and see what he can find. Um, so it's a great, great opportunity for exploring. Brilliant. And that links perfectly to that now and then, right? So if the then is already predetermined kind of by them, then mm -hmm. it, it gives them even bigger motivation. Right. Thank you. Those are really good suggestions. Um, so to summarize, uh, if the time runs out or you feel you can't fit things in, number one, don't panic. That's really good advice because parents do panic and think, oh, my child's not learning, and that's really not the case. Children do learn independently from the learning tasks. Uh, limit the screen time, but do also make use of those online resources um, when necessary. So some things that were mentioned, Pinterest with really good ideas, um, using the EYC YouTube channel. The positive of that is they see teachers' faces, right? It's not just a, a link to anything. It's all done by our teachers um, and, and then just make sure of those parental settings on, on YouTube and then use the uh, online resources like the library and so forth. Right. Thank you all really good um, examples of things that our families can do. Now there's some, some families are asking uh, wouldn't it be better if there was more uh, life interactions with our teachers than what we have presently. So at the moment we have our greetings uh, in the mornings and that can be PSHE, Mandarin, um, or with the class teacher. Um, and then from next week on, we're also introducing the, the review sessions um, in the afternoons. What would be your response to parents who think we should maybe have two or three hours a day like some schools apparently do have? So this goes back to what I mentioned before about um, children's attention span. And once their attention span is gone, it's really hard to engage them back. It's hard then to encourage them. They're not going to be engaging as well as they could. And so they're not going to be learning as well as they could. So we have gone with what we know about children of early years age, and we've tried to make shorter um, Zoom sessions. And more of the learning is about exploration, the children building on their learning, not doing it in front of a computer, but if they want to be doing the learning in their bedroom or doing the learning outside, as Miss Ratner said, um, we, we're trying to replicate the approach as much as we can that we teach in school. And in school, your children are not sat at desks working. That's not the earliest approach that, that we take at EYC. It's all about hands-on experiences, developing that language, um, trying to play with others, which is why it's great if there are siblings at home or parents or helpers that can engage with the children, um, as well as also trying to make them independent. So rather than us sitting here telling them everything to do, we want to set them off on a learning task where they have to go and use their own ideas and their imagination and find their own resources. Um, Miss Kate, I think you had a good idea. Mm, wow. um, so well, it was just to say really that children shouldn't be sitting for that long, especially at the ages of the children that we teach. Um, 
I think, I can't remember the exact figures, but the recommended guidelines are around two to three hours of active play in a day. So obviously if we keep stopping that day to put, to put them in front of a screen, we are limiting the amount of opportunities they get for that active yeah. play, which is really important for, the, for their health and for their well-being. Mm. Um, definitely need to spend more time outside if that's possible. I mean, obviously bearing in mind the CMCO rules, but there are definitely, it's not like the lockdown before and there are opportunities where you can take your child out and get that exercise, that chance to run and to jump and to just move. And that will all actually really help their learning in ways that um, you wouldn't perhaps imagine, but those are all forming those connections in their brain, which later will help. And when they come to do writing and stuff that's more appropriate at that age. So really, we just don't feel it's developmentally appropriate to put a child in front of a screen for that much time. The other thing, um, and I know Etienne and I have been in much discussion about this, is we have to really take into account every child's home situation. And some children, they don't have helpers at home or parents that don't work. And if we're asking children to be on Zooms for a large portion of the day or for a substantial amount of time, that takes that time from that parent as well, because... Um, because of the children so young, they have to have a parent there for safeguarding purposes and to help them with the logistics of muting, unmuting, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so we try and make that balance as well so that it's not too much pressure on parents that, that don't have that extra support. Yeah, it also takes away the flexibility of the day. Um, mm -hmm. So one, you know, one advantage of home learning, I know there's not many, but is, is that you can pick and choose when you want to do the learning. Um, so apart from like the, the Zooms with your class teacher, the rest of the time, you can pick a time that suits you as a family and that suits your work patterns. Whereas if it was a set Zoom time, obviously that's going to interrupt and have to fit around everything else. So it does give you more flexibility in some ways. Yeah. I, I think with this video, when I share the, um, the link to the video with families, I will also share again uh, our development matters where the, the one that's written for parents so parents can understand where their child should be and what they should be looking for and then I think I would invite parents so especially parents who do have the time to do it to to look at that and then observe your child in a zoom session and then observe them when they're free playing and then make a judgment of where the learning is more um, because I can guarantee you that in their free play they are learning a lot more than they would be in a zoom session with the teacher there are just too many distractions. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I think that we gave parents a lot to think about. Um, and I think we, we shouldn't not acknowledge the fact that this is taking a lot of time and effort from, from the parents' end. And we do appreciate that. It's not as if we just simply say, there you go, we've planned it, go and teach it. Um, I, the teachers take hours to really think about the appropriate activities that will support families to best support the children at home in their learning. So it's not as if uh, we 100% just pass it over and, and rely on teachers, uh, on, on, on the parents to deliver all the learning. But what I can say, and I think next week we will um, share more information about this, is that we do rely on parents to share because we are not the eyes in the room anymore to be able to observe that learning so that we can assess where the children are and track and monitor the progress. And that is a very important aspect of what we do to inform our planning, to arrange interventions and know where children are in their learning. 
So that one minimum required ILD is really important to upload um, every week and share that with um, teachers so that they have something to observe. And then from next week on, I think we'll share more information of which of those activities parents should really leave to the children to do independently so that we can observe what a child can do without any intervention and support because it's difficult for teachers on this end to really um, assess children um, appropriately if we are not sure where they got support and where not. So we will share a bit more information about that next week.